0: Thank you for joining us on the Hope Church LV podcast. We are excited that you came across this message. The sermon you are about to listen to is from our study through the New Testament book of James. If this happens to be your first time joining us, we want to get to know you better. Go ahead and open up the Hope Church LV app or visit hopechurchlv.com And click connect with us to fill out a short digital connection card so that we can do just that. If you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast to help spread hope to the world. Once again, thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the sermon. If you have a Bible, you can go ahead and open it to James chapter 5. James chapter 5, if you have a physical Bible or a device... Um, One of the things I love about our church family, I know a lot of folks here at Hope Church, and one of the things I love is that we all come from different backgrounds, specifically as it comes to our relationship with church. I have friends that have been a part of churches since they were born. Like they grew up going to church and they grew up singing the Bible songs and they grew up going to vacation Bible school and God is, that song we just sang, the goodness of God over their entire lives. Some of you have done that. Some of you have grown up in church for as long as you can remember. You don't really know an existence without church. Praise God for you. That's how my kids are, right? Like my wife and I have four kids. They are all, born, they've joined our family in church. And so they will for prayerfully their entire lives be a part of church community just like this. Some of you have that story. I've shared my story with some of you, but I do not have that story. I grew up here in the city of Las Vegas, out over in Henderson, and I did not grow up going to church. Sundays for me were uh, about watching NFL football and skateboarding and honestly recovering from whatever happened in, on Saturday out in what we affectionately call Hender Tucky. Anybody shout out to Hender Tucky over there? Anybody know? Let's go. If you know, you know. Boulder Highway, out there. And so I started going to church as a junior in high school. And honestly, I'm going to let the air out of the room. For some of you, when I first started going to church, it was like really weird. Just to think, if you don't have a box for Jesus stuff, I mean, everything we just did, that was so amazing. People up here, like just throwing their burdens on the Lord and and worshiping, eyes closed. But if you don't have a box for any of that, you're kind of looking around like, this is weird. That was my story. And maybe right now, you're like, man, you are, that is what I'm thinking right now. Everything I've experienced for the last half an hour has been a little freaky. And that was that was for me. I, I didn't have a box for that, but the weirdest thing, just gonna be honest today, the weirdest thing for me, when I first started getting involved in church and praise God, I, I gave my life to Jesus about a year after I started coming to church and heard the gospel and, and, but still there was a little weird part for me of church. And that was the prayer aspect. like. Maybe you're like me and and prayer just, it felt odd. Like, is there a certain way I'm supposed to fold my hands or can I like open my eyes or is like eyes closed like the passageway to heaven? Like, how's this all, how's this all work? I I didn't know. And honestly, for the first several years of following Jesus, prayer was a very weird part of the Christian experience. And some of you may be thinking that right now, like, yeah, when we just did that whole prayer time, I was a little weird out because I didn't know how to interact. I didn't know how to engage in that say, so why are you talking about prayer this morning? Well, we are in the book of James. We've been in the book of James since January. Next week, we actually finish the book of James after seven months of studying verse by verse through this incredible New Testament book. And as James rounds third, right before he lands the plane next week, he has a section he is going to explain and talk about prayer. Specifically, how you and I pray as a church. Family, how we do this thing together. And so James is going to step into the weirdness and talk about prayer. So, like I said, if you have your Bible, open it up to James 5. We're going to read verses 13 through 18 in our time together this morning. Here's what the Bible says in James 5 Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. And then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. James here in those verses is talking about prayer, specifically how we pray together as a church family. So I don't want to take anything for granted here this morning because some of you may be here for the very first time and may have been like me when I first started following Jesus. Like this prayer thing's a little weird. So I don't want to take anything for granted. Before we talk about how to pray, we have to talk about what is prayer. And that might sound overly simplistic this morning, but very simply, prayer is a conversation with God, which in and of itself is kind of miraculous. Like you and I get to have a conversation with God. But notice I didn't say it's a a monologue. I'm guilty of that. Anybody else guilty of that? God, here's everything I need and then I got to go. See ya. Conversation is not a monologue. I'm just going to stand here and tell you everything and then I'm not going to allow you to speak to me. Prayer is a conversation with God. Prayer is not some heavenly magic trick, right? I pray and then God performs. Here's what I need, God, here's what you do for me. A lot of people think that. Prayer is like the the rubbing of the the genie lamp. God, do what I need. And I understand in a room this size, prayer is a problem for some people. I get it. It's a problem because you don't know how to do it, right? Like That was me for many years of my Christian life. Like, again, how do I do this the right way? I feel like I'm doing it wrong. I feel like it's not working. Maybe you feel inadequate. You're like, man, my wife prays. Maybe if you have grown-up kids, my kids, they're prayer warriors. There's a phrase we hear a lot, prayer warrior. And I'm like, dude, I'm not even like on the battlefield. I'm like, I'm not even close. So you feel inadequate. So here we are, let's jump into another sermon on prayer. And you're going, great. I'm not good at this thing. Or let's press in a little more. For some of us, You said, man, I've tried this prayer thing. It didn't work. I've prayed and prayed and prayed for my son and my daughter who's out wilding out and living the prodigal life. And Scott, I prayed for years and nothing's changed. I guess prayer doesn't really work. Or I prayed for my my mom or dad as they were in the hospital. I prayed at their bedside that God would do a miracle and they passed away. And I guess it just doesn't work. So let's not really talk about prayer. I don't really have an interest in that right now. I have a sickness, I have an illness, I have a situation and I prayed about it and it didn't work. A lot of times we don't like to say that out loud so I'll say it out loud because I got the mic on my face. Sometimes we have a problem with prayer because we're saying this doesn't work. So I wanna, and that's fair by the way, there are times to be honest to say, man, I really have a problem with this prayer thing. I have felt that, I'm gonna talk about it later but like this week, there's been some things that I've prayed about. And God didn't answer my prayers. I struggled with that. So we're gonna press in to that tension. If, we, if all that's true, why do we pray? And I'm not trying to be elementary or insulting. We pray as Jesus followers because God tells us to pray. And God is God. Because God commands us to. You say, show me that. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. There's many verses we could show. But here's a famous one that you, may not, that you may already know. Do not be anxious about anything. I'm anxious about some things today. Maybe you are too. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. What is this? This is a command to say, hey, if you got things going on in your life, even if you don't want to, even if you feel like it hasn't worked in the past, press in and pray. So to all of us who have struggled with prayer, maybe right now, maybe in the past, I want us to lean in today because I believe God has a word for us out of James chapter 5. So how are we going to unpack this? We're going to ask and answer two questions. First question, when should we pray? He doesn't spend a lot of time on this, but in the beginning verses of this passage, when should we pray? He says it. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. That's prayer through song. We just did that. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Again, we got before we get to the how, we got to understand all the context. James gives us three categories, how or, or when you should pray. Three categories. Here's the first one. If you're suffering. You say, I, I, I'm suffering, or I don't know if I would categorize it as suffering, but... This, this word translated is actually better translated in trouble. It's, it's the commentators say it's one of the most broad terms for basically, is there anything going on in your life right now that is troubling you physically, emotionally, financially, spiritually, basically any kind of trouble, any situation, anything making you anxious, anything giving you heartburn, anything making you go to sleep a little slower at night. James says, if that is you, pray You're suffering. Second category, you're cheerful. We love that one. I love that we just introduced that song this week. And it's such a good song. It's been a part of my regular worship time. This idea of the goodness of God. He's saying, are you cheerful today? Are you coming in this week to church going, man, this was a great week. I made that sale. My wife and I had a great week with our kids. I didn't yell as much as I normally yell. It's been a great week, Scott. I'm cheerful James says, sing praise, man, lift your hands and understand we don't just go to God for the things when we're hurting. We go to God and say, thank you for the grace when things are great. And we pray through song. Is anyone suffering? Is anyone cheerful? And the last category, is anyone among you sick? And again, this is a very broad idea of are you are there ailments that are physically or emotionally attacking you in a sickness? This could be cancer, this could be a cold, this could be COVID, this could be some aches and pains that just really are bugging you and have been for many, many years. You have issues today that, uh, that are a sickness in a physical or emotional sense. James is saying, pray. We're gonna talk about how in just a minute, but here's a quick summary. And again, I, I'm not trying to be super simple, but James basically said, on bad days, on good days, and if you're sick. Say that kind of sounds like every single day of my life. Exactly. James here is saying what the New Testament writers have said at all times we should pray. 1 Thessalonians. Paul says it this way. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, put it out on the screen. There it is. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Get tripped up by that. What does that mean? Does I walk around praying all the time? That just means you're in a constant conversation with God. That just means you're constantly tapping in to your access that you have to Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. If you're having a good day, if you're having a bad day, if you're sick in any way. Pray. So how should we pray? That's when we spend the rest of our time on how should we pray. James said, "Is anyone among you sick?" Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Every week that we gather, I understand there's people that come in from all different backgrounds, just like I mentioned. Some of you have never heard these verses before. Others of you have heard these verses a lot. And here's the reality, whether you know it or not, this is a passage of scripture that has been misrepresented a lot. There's been a lot of people that have made a lot of money on this passage of scripture. So I wanna peel back the preconceived ideas and I wanna just look verse by verse like we always do here at Hope and say, God, what is this saying? How should we pray? There's a lot of ways, of course, that we should pray, but James kind of outlines four for us today. Here's the first way we should pray. In community. Say, show me that. In community. Let him call the elders. We call this our church family or a community. This is, this is how God has designed. God can heal anybody anytime he wants. You could be driving alone on the 215 and God can heal you right in that moment. You could be laying in bed and not even aware of what's going on because you're sleeping and God could heal you in that moment. But in his grace and sovereignty, he has also called us to be a part of a community where we see him work and move together. And that's what James introduces here. He says, let him call the elders. This is an invitation You say, I'm confused, what is an elder? An elder very simply in the New Testament is a leader, a pastor, a shepherd, an overseer of the church. And we believe this is amazing. This is how God has set it up. I have such a privilege. I love that I'm one of the pastors here at Hope Church. I didn't want to be a pastor. I didn't even know what a pastor was until I was like 16 years old. Got to church and met Jesus and started walking with some people that showed me how to follow Jesus. And they were pastors. I didn't want to be a pastor. I wanted to travel the world and play music. So i go to school to travel the world and play music. Not that they have a degree with that, but I was trying to figure it out. And God in his grace just showed me very clearly, no, I want you to do what those people at that church did for you and show you how to follow Jesus. Do that for other people. So I became a pastor, and I love the office of pastor is such a special thing. God clearly has it in His word. There are people that have been called and raised up in this church and in churches all over the world to shepherd people and to serve people and to be their pastors. But this is one of the ways this pastors has been very misrepresented It's cuz pastors have been kind of elevated to this very unhealthy spot of spiritual authority where people think man if i could just get to that guy he can heal me so i'm going to go on this youtube page or i'm going to i'm going to go on, i'm going to flip on this thing on tv and if i could just listen to that pastor he can heal me spoiler alert i'm just a dude <laughs> All of our pastors, we love Jesus. We have been called to the office of pastor. We're grateful and privileged to do that. But there's no like secret pastor sauce where we just got like healing in our bodies. We think it's funny. I mean, like this this is the same Bible you got. This is the ESV. You can go right out to Hope Resources in the lobby. You can buy you one of these. There's not like a special one that's got like the pastor healing notes in here, right? Even better than the Bible You and I have the same Holy Spirit of God in us. Sometimes we forget that. The Holy Spirit of God came into me and and is living through my life when I gave my life to Jesus. And if you're a Christian, whether you're a 90 or 9, God lives in you through the Holy Spirit. That's amazing. And God uses the pastors of our church. Amen. God uses the pastors of our church. This is how he's designed it. But at the end of the day, a pastor's touch is not a, a special touch that you and I don't have apart from the Holy Spirit. See, part of the reason this has been misrepresented is because people elevate themselves to this really unhealthy spot. And so you can go right now online and you can can buy things that pastors have prayed over. And they'll send you in the mail as if it has extra healing power. The healing power is not in the person. The healing power is in Jesus. And I do have a special access to God. You better believe it. But so do you because of the blood of Jesus Christ, you and I, the Bible says, not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm a person who has been bought by Jesus's blood, I have access to God today and so do you. So we boldly approach his throne. We boldly approach his throne. But people elevate pastors to a very unhealthy place. And this is not new. This has been happening since the New Testament. If you didn't know, when Jesus left the earth, he he, he commissioned his first leaders of the church, the apostles, and people started looking at them like, well, if Jesus put them in charge, they must be like Jesus. And so they started worshiping the apostles. You say, put some Bible on that. Acts chapter 10. Peter is, is having a moment with God. And God tells him to go to this man, Cornelius's house, who doesn't know Jesus. And here's what it says in Acts chapter 10, verse 25 and 26. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, stand up. I'm a human being just like you. Right, layman's terms. Like, whoa, bro. Uh, What are you doing? Get up. I am an unschooled fisherman from Galilee. I am not God. But I know God and I can show you God. Listen, I am privileged to be a pastor and I've never been worshiped. I'll I'll go ahead and say that. I've never been worshiped, praise God. But there's been times where people have looked at me like I got some secret sauce. And I'm like, listen, bro, I'm a a punk rock skateboarding kid from (laughs) Hender But I got a big God and I've gotten to know him over the years. Let's cry out to him together. Let's, Let's cry out to this big God together. So James is encouraging, hey, come to your pastor's. They're not magical. They don't have a special access to heaven other than the blood of Jesus, which you have too. But the way he's designed it, come as a church community, let's pray. We do it every week. One of my favorite times every week is at the end of our service, we pray for people. And it's amazing to to hear what's going on in their lives and to ask God to move and intercede and do a miracle. James continues, he says, let them pray over them, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. You say, what is up with the oil? Heard a lot about this, maybe. If you have a church background, like tell me, Scott, what is up with oil? Well, if you didn't know, this is the only place in the New Testament where anointing with oil is mentioned. And that makes sense. Remember, when you read the Bible, you always have to read the Bible in context. The book of James was written to first century Christians who were Jewish, Jewish God followers and they were introduced to Jesus through the gospel. But they are, the, they are Jewish Christians that have all the history of being a Jewish little boy and girl and understanding all the stories from the Old Testament. And all over the Old Testament, God has a symbol, a sign of his grace and favor and blessing through the anointing of oil. You see that when, when David is, is, is going to become king, Samuel comes and anoints his head with oil. What is that? That is, that is God saying, that's my guy. So the oil isn't a special deal. The oil is just a symbol of a special God. And so he, he anoints his head with oil. And so James says to these people, when, when you come to be prayed over your pastors, let them anoint your head with oil. Nobody read that in the book of James when they read it in the assembly and said, what's oil? What's up with that? They all would have been like, oh, we get that because we've heard about that from our ancestors. That's a sign, a symbol of God's blessing and favor. There's nothing special about the oil. Again, we we don't take oil and it all of a sudden becomes a magical ointment that will heal whatever it is that you have. So we've done this at Hope Church. People have come to us with sickness, Bible open, said, hey, I got cancer and the doctor says it's terminal. I'm coming to you. James chapter 5 says to come to my elders. You're going to anoint my head with oil and I would like you to pray for me. And it's such a blessing. We've gotten around those people and I love that we do this every time. We explain what I just explained. We say, hey, we want to let you know, the Bible says to anoint your head with oil, not because the oil will save you, but because the oil is a symbol of God's favor. This is, this is olive oil from like Smith's. Like it's not special oil. But we're doing this as a sign, a symbol, and we're asking God to bless you and to give you favor and to heal you. The power is not in the oil, the power is in God. So I love that we're invited to do this. We're actually gonna do this later. We don't do it all the time, but we're right here in this text. We're gonna invite you in just a minute after we're done with the message, just like we do every week to come be prayed over. But we're gonna say, if you're sick today, we have some anointing oil. We have some olive oil from Smiths, but we're gonna ask God because he said to do it as a symbol and a sign of his favor. And we did this on Thursday night, it was beautiful. People coming and just understanding the power is not in the oil, the power is in God. And we're asking for a big God to do big things because he can. So we're gonna do that later. But it's not just the pastors. It says there in verse 16, Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. See, a lot of people read this and think, this is kind of weird. Like, do I got to confess my sin to my friends to be forgiven? The reason is we we look at church like this right here. And this is amazing. We love our gathered times. But this is what we've kind of known as church sometimes if we're not careful. A bunch of people coming, not talking to each other, and looking at one dude talk about what the Bible says. The New Testament knows nothing of a Christianity that exists only like this. This is a part of it. But what this is talking about is real life community. You show me somebody who's following Jesus, who's passionate about the Bible, who has people in their lives that truly know them. Not the high bye brother, a couple high fives on the way out. But I'm talking about life-on-life community. Here's what I'm doing with those brothers in my life. I'm confessing my sin to them. Not because I have to to be saved or forgiven, but because I want to, because I want brothers to keep me accountable and I want brothers to spur me on towards Jesus. So I got my friends and I'm like, man, here's what's going on in my heart this week and I need your help, brother. James is saying, as you do that, and you'll spur each other on towards Jesus and you'll understand the gospel. I have friends that'll say, hey man, don't get caught up in that. Don't be caught up in that shame. God has saved you from that same shame in the gospel. So the confession isn't what it makes me forgiven. It's me sharpening myself with my brothers that reminds me of the gospel, which is how I'm forgiven. That's what James is saying here. This is in community. So we should pray in community, the pastors, the elders, but also each other. Here's the second way. To pray. It says in faith. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. The prayer of faith. Again, this is this is part of this verse that's kind of been hijacked and it's kind of been put in a different category. Like there's regular prayer. You know, God, thank you for this food. Protect us as we drive. There's regular prayer, and then there's the prayer of faith. And it's this special category of prayer. And here's why that's dangerous, because it puts the emphasis on me and what I do instead of what God and what he does. So there's not one section of prayer. And then there's this special prayer that I tap into if I'm really serious. Then all of a sudden it becomes about what I do instead of God and what he does. It's not faith in our faith that heals. It's faith in a God who can heal. And that's not just semantics. A lot of people say, man, you just gotta pray. You just gotta have enough faith. Well, if that was the case, this week would be a very, very, very tough week for me and a lot of people at this church. This is just raw happened this week. Two brothers of mine in this church, fathers, husbands, they went to the hospital with some complications and we'll get all into all the details, but we prayed like crazy. and I'm talking I went to the hospital on Monday to pray with the wife with some brothers of mine and I mean, she's hands in the air, knees on the floor. God, you can heal this man right now. You can do it. All 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 the tests can come back just completely miraculous. You can do this, God. And we're asking you on the power and authority of Jesus to do it, God. Eight hours later, I get a text. He slipped from his body there in that hospital room and he fell into the arms of Jesus in heaven. Heartbreaking, heartbreaking. You say, explain that, Scott. I cannot give you on paper ones and zeros that make that make sense to me right now. Few days later, get another report. This is not looking good, let's pray. Thursday, we get around this family, we're praying, God, right now, we pray you'd heal this man. Two days later, I get a text. Slip from his body there in that hospital bed into the arms of Jesus. Say, what's up with that? That's why I don't believe in God, listen. It's not, that. that's a pray, that's a posture of prayer that says I was supposed to do something in my prayer. It is my job to pray and it is God's business whether he heals or not. I don't understand that. I got a text this morning because I was just struggling with this. You, you're teaching this passage and two of my brothers in Christ, yes, I know they're in heaven, praise God, but it's hell here on earth for some of their family. So I'm struggling with this, to be honest. Like church place to be honest. My brother texted me this morning, my brother in Christ, and he said, man, I know you're preaching this passage. It's a tough passage to preach after this week we walked through, but I just feel like I need to encourage you that those men, they are healed today. Right now. Listen, I know it's tough. I know they're, fit. listen, I'm not trying to belittle a very heartbreaking situation, but those men right now are healed. We prayed with tears and blood and sweat on our knees. God healed them. And God did answer our prayer. It wasn't exactly how we thought he would, but he did answer our prayer. And I was just super encouraged by that this morning as I got that text. Man, that's true. But here's what this passage can't mean. You just got to pray the right way and God will perform for you. And there's people teaching this passage all over the world like that. It's not confidence in our prayer. It's confidence in the God to whom we pray to. Say, what is that? Show me some Bible for that. 1 John, again, the Bible speaks one language. 1 John chapter 5. And this is the confidence that we have towards him. It doesn't say in how you pray eloquently, whether or not you pray the prayer of faith right. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we know that he hears us, and whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked him. This is tough. We, it's okay to press into the tough things that don't just have all flowers all over it sometimes. This week was not a flowery week. I love what Sam Storm said. He's a theologian who holds just the truth of the Bible, but also understands the, exor- the exercising of, of the gifts of the spirit. Asking God for big things. He's a big God. Here's what he says. Instead of being functional deists or magicians, that's how some people teach this text. This is like some magical prayer of faith. If I just pray it the right way, I'm some sort of deist or, or a magician. Instead of doing that, we should strive to hold two biblical truths about God intention, God's goodness and his sovereignty. Praying in faith is not a guarantee of healing, but I am praying to a God who I know has the power and authority to heal and I'm trusting him with the outcome. And sometimes that's hard. Listen, th- th- I got this yesterday. I'm getting these texts, and I'm just like, man. I got another Facebook message from a girl I prayed with on Thursday. She came to me. She said, I, I have an a, a ultrasound tomorrow. I got something going on in my liver, and it's life-threatening. The doctors are really scared about it, and I'm really scared. So what did I do? I said, are you comfortable with me anointing your head with oil? I anointed her head with oil. I went after God. I said, God, would you right now heal her body? I pray that when she goes to get the ultrasound, it will be completely void of any problems. And the doctors would scratch their head going, what happened? She would say it's a miracle and she would give glory to you. I just prayed that knowing I don't have the power to do that. The oil doesn't have the power to do that, but God does. I got a Facebook message from her yesterday and said, hey, you prayed that the doctors would be scratching their heads and you prayed that the ultrasound would be completely clear. And I'm here on this little Facebook message to give God glory to say that's exactly what happened. I'm completely healed. Amazing. But I'm holding these things in tension. God's goodness, praise God for that story of that woman. And God's sovereignty, for whatever reason, and his grace and mercy, I lost two of my brothers this week. At least on this earth. We didn't lose them. We know where they are. So how do we pray in faith? We got to move on. Very quickly. Pray about everything. Trust God for anything. And submit to God's sovereignty. Man, if we prayed like that. Like I'm praying about everything and I'm literally calling heaven down. I'm trusting God for miracles and miracles and miracles because I know he can do it. He's God. But then I'm submitting to his sovereignty. God, I don't understand why you do the things you do sometimes, but I trust you. So we pray in community. We pray in faith. Here's the third one we've got to hustle. Pray in repentance. Pray in repentance. If he has committed sins, it says in verse 15. We've got to do some work to understand this. And most of you understand, but the reality of our world is it is plagued with sin. Not necessarily your personal sin, but all over our world, all the broken, all the bad, all the ugly, it's all as a result of sin. Our first parents rebelled against God in the Garden of Eden thousands of years ago, and now we feel the effects of sin every single day. We just talked about some things that I saw this week that are an effect of sin in our world that's broken. But here's an unpopular truth right out of this passage. Your suffering, my suffering, could be a result of my personal sin. And we understand that in life. Like there's consequences. Like I'm teaching my kids that right now, like you do something foolish, there's consequences. There are consequences for our actions. And so I thought I'd share kind of a more lighthearted illustration to this. Um, When I first got my driver's license, I was 16 years old and um, there was a rule back then. I actually heard it's more intense now, but there was a rule back then as soon as you get your driver's license, you can't drive with anybody not in your immediate family for three months. So I did that, and I'm a week away from that three-month limit. And then my junior year homecoming dance came about. Me and my buddies take our dates out. We have a beautiful night, and we come back to my house where we all met up at. And I just had an idea to be a gentleman and be chivalrous. Chivalry's not dead. So I said, boys, why don't you go inside? My parents are sleeping. Don't worry about it. And I'm going to take all the girls home one by one and just show them what a real man is like. Let's be honest, I'm trying to get a second date, but. So I did it. I took, took, made the rounds. On my way home, I'm, I call my buddy and I'm like, hey man, I'm on my way back, is everything good? And he's acting real weird. Like, why are you acting so weird? Whatever. Show up to the house, walk in, and my friends just are staring at me like they just saw a ghost. And then I look over the corner and there's my mother sitting right there. And she said, hi, did you have fun driving your friends around? It's like, oh, That's why my friend was acting weird. (laughs) He's trying to sit there and lie to me right in front of my mom. What did they do? They did what they should have done. They took away my license for two months, skateboarding to work. I didn't know Jesus at the time, but if I did, I'd probably be like, God, why am I suffering? It's like, fool, you're suffering because you foolish mistake. I know that's a lot harder. I know it's funny, but here's the deal. I made a mistake. I did something I knew I shouldn't have done. I suffered the consequences. James here. Is saying there are times where we are suffering in our lives, not because of some outside thing, but because we have gotten ourselves into the situation. But he doesn't end there. He doesn't say, so if you're suffering and, you're, and, you've, and you've sinned, sorry, hopefully you get over it. No, what does he say? He will be forgiven. So I don't know what you're walking in today. I don't know what you came here today with thinking guilty or maybe even suffering because of some sins that you did last night. I'm here to tell you that we always get around the good news of Jesus. No matter what you face today, God in his grace can forgive you and will forgive you. All you have to do is ask today. That's true of the gospel. So I don't want to rush past that because it says there if he has committed sins. He's, he's drawing a line to some of our suffering being a result of our own actions. But he will be forgiven because of the grace of God. So press into that if you need that today. Here's the, the fourth and final way and we'll finish up. How do we pray? In community, in faith, in repentance. Lastly, in dependence on God. It says the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So there it is. See, prayer has power. Yeah, but it has power as it is working. If you unpack that, the actual word for that word working is really significant. It's, It's where we get our English word energy. Another way to say this is prayer is very powerful when it is energized. And it's energized by somebody outside of ourselves. We understand that. It's energized by the Holy Spirit in us. So prayer does have great power only when it is energized by a powerful God. So what does that mean? That means we press in to God. I'm not out here praying like I got power to do anything. I'm saying, God, just like I've done all week with these families, God, we bring nothing to the table. But we right now are crying out to the sovereign, holy boss of all that exists. And we're asking you, the powerful God, to move. The Bible says there's great power in a prayer that's been energized by what God is doing in and through us so we press in to God we ask him to move and work and dependence on God he finishes up with kind of a random illustration but he says let's talk about Elijah if you don't know anything about the Bible Old Testament this is a prophet and he's kind of looked at as like the spotless prophet I mean this guy is like amazing he does these amazing things I love that James just throws in a line there he said take Elijah and he says this A man with a nature like ours. What is he saying? Elijah, you hold him up on this pedestal like he's this rock star for God. But listen, he's just like you. He's got a nature just like you. I think that's important for us to remember as we finish this passage. James here is saying, listen, just like the rest of the Bible says, listen, there's no rock star. God doesn't use rock stars for Jesus to do cool things in the world. He uses nobodies who he as his powerful self fills and indwells and uses to do amazing things. All throughout the scriptures, you don't see rock stars for Jesus. You see broken people that are honestly a little helpless and God does a great work. James is saying that. Elijah, your pedestal guy over here, he's got a nature just like you. He's a guy who has needs and requests and sufferings and great days and bad days and sick days. And what did he do? He he cried out to a powerful God. That's why we say here at Hope, we don't believe there's power in prayer. We believe there's power to whom in... I messed that up on Thursday too. I can't do it, Travis. We don't believe there's power in prayer. We believe there's power in the one to whom we pray. So that's what this this passion says. We pray and the power of God works. It's not a magic trick, it's us depending on him saying, God, move and work and have your way. Prayer and a powerful God. She says, we finish up as the band loads, as we respond, we wanna respond like we do every single week. We always wanna remind our church family from the perspective of the good news of Jesus Christ. I mentioned it earlier, but whether God chooses to heal us in this world or not, we ultimately have eternal spiritual healing through Christ. Right now, I said it already, but my my brothers right now are fully healed in the presence of God. No tubes, no COVID, no anything in their bodies, except the presence of Jesus in heaven forever. And that's a win. So I don't know today if God will choose to heal whatever's going on in your life. We trust him. We're going to ask him to rain down heaven and do a miracle. But our ultimate healing is in Christ. Jesus is better than any bodily healing. And Some of you today are not even suffering physically and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. I am here to tell you, you are suffering spiritually. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, today you can be healed forever through a relationship with Christ. It says it here in the word. First Peter chapter two, listen to what the Bible says about Jesus. He himself, that's Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree. That's the cross. That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Here's the best part. By his wounds, you have been healed. Some of you today, need to tap into that healing and say, I'm ready to be healed. I didn't even know I had a wound until you just read that. But I know I got something missing in my life and it sounds like it's a relationship with Jesus. You don't have to do anything special to be healed. You just got to trust Jesus and he'll heal you forever spiritually. So maybe that's you today. In just a moment, our pastors are going to be up here and maybe you just want to come down and... Let us know, I need a relationship with God. We'll show you from the Bible a relationship that can forever change your life and the Bible says spiritually heal you forever. We also understand there's people today that are suffering physically, you're sick, emotionally you're sick. We're gonna do what the Bible says to do in James chapter five. Again, we don't do it all the time, but our pastors are gonna be up here and we're gonna call people down if you're sick in any way, shape, or form today, if you have emotional or physical sickness, you want to come, we would love to pray for you. We don't have. There's no power in these pastors up here. There's power in our great God that we're going to beg heaven to move on your behalf. There's no power in the oil. but We're going to ask you, if you're comfortable, we'll anoint your head with oil as a symbol of God's favor and blessing in your life. Because there's power in Jesus today. So I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. And if you're sick in any way, we're gonna listen to what the Bible says in James 5. We invite you to come. We'll stay as long as we have to. It was a beautiful time on Thursday. People just coming and being prayed for. And we asked God to, to make ultrasounds empty. And guess what? Ultrasounds were empty. Praise God. What is it today that you're like, man, I, I don't do that. I don't get out of my seat. I've never done that. It's super weird. Well, maybe today God and his grace would get you out of that seat to come be prayed for. And we'll cry out on behalf of you to a really big, powerful, God. Amen. Jesus, I pray right now for this response time. God, as we sing, as we worship, as people come to be prayed for, and maybe if they're comfortable, have their heads anointed with oil. God, we understand there's no power in us. There's no power in the oil. There's no power in the prayers, but there is unbelievable, extreme power in who we're praying to and who we're shouting out to, and who we're crying out to. Thank you for listening to the Hope Church LV podcast. If you haven't already done so, go rate and review our podcast to help spread hope to the world. Have a great rest of your day.